says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020 in the Rugby League Spheres. Joining me as always is my co-pilot and co-host, 60s. Good to have you on board, mate. Mate, it's brilliant to be here. I've done my very best to stay dry over yeah, this last week it. or so. Yeah, and, <laughs> and to, to anyone that uh, has people, or obviously if you're in the areas, you're probably not listening to the podcast, but if you have people family, friends at Lismore and in Brisbane and now at the Hawkesbury, um, we send our, our most sincere best wishes because that is just incredibly biblical stuff. Like the, the downpour is just un, unreal. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately it, the downpour has caused the cancellation of this week's junior reps, but there's still quite a bit to talk about in the field of uh, footy, especially in junior reps. And... Uh, that's what we'll kick off with today. Yeah, so yeah, like you said, speaking of those junior reps, I'll let you introduce our first guest on the show today. Last year, we spoke with Parramatta Eels Pathways and Participation Manager, Matt Brady, to learn a bit more about the size of the Eels catchment area and the clubs and programs involved in junior rugby league. Now, another 12 months have passed, and not to mention another wave of COVID, which brought community sport to a standstill. So we thought we'd catch up with Matt to get us up to date with some of the initiatives that will be happening in Junior Rugby League. Thanks for joining us again, Matt. Mate, let's just get straight into some uh, innovations in the junior space. Um, can you talk, first of all talk us through the Tackle Ready program that's going to be happening this year? Yeah, it's an interesting program uh, that's coming out throughout the... I mean, we're the last area i guess within metropolitan sydney uh, because the rest of the country has has got the program rolled out already so new south wales rugby league and the nrl are working through the uh, uh i guess the, the logistics and, and how to actually get all the coaches and, and deliverers up to speed and, and positioned within the different districts to be able to cater for what this program is um, i guess the when you start to really delve into it and look at what it is, and every district says the same thing, like when you start to look at the fundamental skills that they're actually putting in the program, it's a really good program um, to have the kids at that age group go through and probably even some arguments for some of even newer kids to go through in, you know, sevens, eights, to learn those fundamental skills as well. Yep. Um, and I guess the, you know, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, uh, uh, I guess the talk about it is that we're taking the kids from playing tackle to start with um, as a six-year-old into playing tag. Um, and, and, you know, I've heard arguments with people saying, oh, you know, we just want them to play tackle. Why can't they play tackle? And uh, with some of the, the research that I've done within the program itself, uh, three guys, uh, so David Staggs is one of the coaching coordinators at a junior league club um, up in Queensland. He was one plus a, a dozen other guys that have been doing it up there. Some of the information that came back to me in regards to um, the program itself. So while um, while they'll have a specific deliverer, we'll, we'll teach them uh, six individual and specialised sessions in a, in a, 
around the proprioception of, of the players and how to fall and how to roll and do all these different things that they do. Um, I need to know within when you bring contact into to that format. Some of the other things that it did was um, that I found really interesting, which I think we need to get that information out there more to coaches and parents, is the fact that the kids are, are four, five, and six, right, that they're, they're playing. So, you know, while they may know their own teammates quite well and, and quite comfortable to, you know, tackle and roll around with each other there, it's when you take them and play another team, and even if you're talking about for us and, and you're going to two clubs that are right next door to each other, like Rouse Hill and Kelly, you know, they're less than, you know, what, two k's apart, Um it can be a bit of an intimidation factor to to play against a, another team and, and they're unsure. And, and so you find the kids when they, from an attacking point of view, they'll, they'll catch the ball and they'll, they'll run around the back behind the field, you know, 45 times to, before they then run forward. Right. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, common, common occurrence. What they were finding out there was that the kids were actually, they, they were really focusing on being able to catch a ball and run straight because they weren't worried about actually um, a collision because they knew that I, that wasn't going to happen to start with. So while some kids are, are, are quite comfortable at, at, at those ages to tackle, maybe the ones that have got older brothers and sisters that they've been yeah, you know, bashed around, yep. you know, yep. they've been doing it since they were old enough to, to, to stand up. Survival um, of the fittest in the family. <laughs> correct. That's right. Like, you know, I think of, Think of my youngest one. Yeah. You know, like they, they had to do that too because the older brothers just trampled over the top <laughs> of them, right? Like, so how do we? But how do we? We bring those other ones in, into the exactly. game, and, and they, they just don't have the confidence factor. And, and you can go, well, they do at, at training, but they really know the six, seven other kids that they're rolling around with and tackling down there, right? Like they're almost like family. But put them into another setting with another team or a, a kids that they just don't know they've never seen before, and and they get a little bit standoffish and, and they're not sure about it or they they you know they get very timid running through into it. So what it did for them was for for the first part of it, it enabled them just the freedom to catch it and know that you know what I've just got to catch and I've got to run straight. That's where I'm going to. Ah, you've been taken, come back and play it. So. They, it was taken away from the fact that they were, were running around looking for the space at the back of the field constantly before running forward. On the flip side of it, then, what they found was that in a defending position for for the kids that are going into doing it, it was teaching the kids to run in and get close to uh, close to the hips, right? Because you think about it, you know, like adults, what, what, we're lazy, right? If we're playing tag, what do we do? We just stick an arm out and reach out, right? So grab a tag. What they were telling me was when they were the the kids at six years of age, they're running in, they're crouching down, and they've got both hands straight out in front, and and both hands are trying to grab the tag and rip it off. So you think, well, you know what? I've already got that, that, you know, that, that dip part, like bend the knees, Come down low, focus on the hips. Where do I want my eyes focused? And and I'm off to the side. Like I'm not dead set in front. I'm just to the side of fraction to them, and I'm getting into there. So I was teaching them all how to get close to another player that they don't know at the same time and be comfortable with that. And now making a tag and doing what I need to do. But then once they've done that for a couple of weeks and you've gone through the rest of the program, they said, you know what? It's really easy for me to just do the next part because they're right there. All I need to do now is I just go from grabbing a tag to sticking my arms out and wrapping around 
the hips and thighs where I need to, and the tackle became really easy then. So from their point of view, and, and it was multiple people that said this to me, the same thing, um, they found it really easy as the stepping stones and progressions going forward. So for me, I think I'm... Um, I'm quite confident in, in regards to seeing where it can go. Like, I really think the program itself has merit. I think there's some um, really good things if we buy into it and, and just look at saying, you know, how do we do something different? Um, does it bring in more kids? You know, the stats that you're talking about in Queensland that have been doing for two years now, uh, there's six and sevens numbers are, are climbing. Um of players that are actually playing it and, and staying within the game. So not just participation, but retention rates are also up in Queensland due to the program. Yeah. That's very good. And, and I suppose, too, it'll be good that with having it in our own district, that instead of um, the anecdotal evidence from elsewhere, we've got local anecdotal evidence for how how it's happening, and then we'll be able to back that up with the statistical evidence um, over the uh, over the years, as as the program builds a bit of history, correct. Yeah, tackle ready program is obviously one big change for the Parramatta district or upcoming change. But the other one is in the under thirteens, uh, where a junior competition is linking up with the Bulldogs. Can you explain the philosophy behind that and how it's going to work for all the teams and players involved? Yeah, so it's it's a, a concept that we're looking at saying. Um, you know, there was a few things that changed uh, over the course of the last 12 months as well in regards to uh, a lot of the conference competitions and, and when you look at a, a lot of districts that we play in those as well. You know, we have our, our girls that play the, uh, whether it's the league tag um, through to the, um, you've got the league tag, you've got the, the girls 14, 16, 18s, open women's, you then have the, uh, our 20s, 23s, and then open men's um, A-grade football, gold, silver, and, and bronze are played in, in a range of conference competitions with other districts. Um, you know, we had a point where we needed to look at the 15s um, in Division One. You know, we we just didn't have enough Division One teams that were uh, playing there that we ended up having to take um, our 15 ones last year down and and playing the West and Canterbury competition where they were a merged uh, competition from 13s through to, to 18s um, to give them some extra competition because well, you don't want a three-team competition, right? Um, that is in there. So from a change that happened within some, some boundaries and some competition structures, Western suburbs that played with Canterbury were then moved out to uh, down to Group 6 um, and playing down there. So that left Canterbury in a position where they probably needed to have um, some teams be able to play with, with some of their divisions as well. Um, and then looking at ours where we go, you know what, we just need probably some of those as well in some of our divisions, like the 15s that would be 16s this year, to be able to just prop up the numbers and just give them a greater level of competition rather than the same you know, three or four teams every every week, that gets um, quite monotonous and quite boring. So part of it was that we, we looked at where we were going with it and it was probably something that um, rather than um, 
uh, being reactive, we, we'd be a little bit proactive in this case because uh, we could sit on our hands and just wait until we get our team nominations all coming through and that we, we get X, Y, and Z, and then we get to a point where either they or, or us in certain age groups and divisions go, oh, bugger, we don't have enough teams. Do we have to push some of the lower divisions up to play in a higher division because um, there's not enough teams down there? So that's an issue in some lower divisions too. You know, we've had over the years where some dis- uh, clubs have asked, oh, you know, can I have a Division 3 or a 14? And we go, well, we, we've only got Divisions 1, 2 and 3. We don't have a Division 4. But, um, you know, then you're trying to force the club to say, well, you really need to split those two teams and make them two even teams. But they've already been training as two separate teams and now one team then gets disadvantaged because they've got to play in a higher division because there's not enough um, competition to, to warrant playing in a lower division. Uh, it now gives us the flexibility uh, and rather than getting to a stage where we go, well, you know what, now we need to do something, um, how's it going to look? And then, then parents and clubs and, and players are disadvantaged in the fact that now we've got to be reactive rather than proactive to say, look, let's look at this. Let's broaden our, 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 our scope of what we've been doing and how we do things to being able to say, you know, let's, let's welcome the, the concept and, and look at saying, you know, from a Canterbury and a Parramatta, the 12s, down we're, we're quite strong in both districts in the numbers of, of players that we've got so how do we keep those 13 14s and 15s where they traditionally start dropping off and give them a, a greater level of competition because the two things that people say constantly you know um, we don't want to play in a uh, we don't want to play in a competition where we win by 50 or we lose by 50. Uh, we want a, a good, healthy, balanced competition where we can, you know, we don't know who's going to win each each game. Um, and the same thing is that we, we don't want to play the same three teams. You know, we, we want variety. We want uh, we want we want a challenge that's there. So, from our point of view, in in regards to both districts, so both Canterbury and, and Parramatta, so John and really down in the Bulldogs and myself here have looked at a game, you know, if we can manage to keep our 12s down and keep the, the numbers as healthy with across all the teams and divisions that we've got, then hopefully we can look at games, you know what, let's push it out and then next year it only becomes 14s, next year, the year after it becomes 15s and we start to grow both districts um, and, and I think the, the old saying that I like to look at is, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm-hmm. I don't want other districts around us um, on the outskirts to be dwindling and, and players dropping off because uh, once that starts to happen on all of the, the fringes around you, it's not long probably before it starts happening internal as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is just restricted to the under-13s at this stage and then looking at growing after that? Correct, yeah. So 13s to, 13s to 18s at this stage. Uh, so 13s to 18s will we'll, we'll play in a combined competition with the, the Bulldogs. Uh, and then, you know, that's 22, 23, it may only be 14 to that. Yep. 20, yep. 20, and, and so so forth to be able to say, how do we make sure that we get the numbers healthy? And, you know, the last thing that we want to do is get to a point where we go, well, you know what, uh, you're, you're back into a corner where we need to go and take, we don't have enough players in that age group or that division, I've got to take them somewhere else. Um, you know, we don't want, we don't want to have to do that. Um, yep. And, and, and we don't want to have to have them do that either because then and all of a sudden it becomes a challenge. And, and when you talk to the 15s, the three teams that went down and played um, with some Western Canterbury 
clubs last year. Uh, they found it enjoyable. They, it, it was good. It was a challenge. It was something different, and they enjoyed the the variety that was there, um, which is is one of the things that, that you want to keep players playing in the game. You know, we have a, a challenge that, and it's not just rugby league. It's all sports, guys. You know, at 13 years of age, 70 percent of kids have walked away from organised sport. That's every yep. sport. It's not just rugby league. So. Yep. You know, you have the, the, the issues that with, um, you know, they'd rather sit at home and play computer games and it's more enjoyable and, and, and stimulating for them to be able to do that. Um, and, and because of the, the modern world that we live in, you know, those little computers that we carry around in our pockets, um, they're attached to them. You know, that's the youth of today, right? Like they live on it. Their whole life revolves around that. So, um you know, it's in, it's interesting, challenge. isn't it, Matt? It, but, that um, we we live in a world where technology has opened up the world to us, and yet at the same time, it's it's made our connections, um, you know, just in day to day lives, maybe a little bit smaller. Oh, it has no question. It's 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 been one of the most uh, marvelous and uh, amazing advancements that we've had. Um, in, in where we've gone, if you look at that smart so, category and what it's done. It's like someone made However, a Faustian, Faustian bargain where you could be connected with anyone you want in the world, but you, you lose the, the connections closest to you at times. Oh, 100%. So in, in how much it's opened up and how vast it's made our lives, same time it's closed off to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, it's closed us off to, to the real things of, of the real connections, you know. How real are the connections that you have on that little device? You know, um, that's probably a challenging question. Uh, but I think for us, looking at that part of it, it's it's how do we how do we look at doing things that are you know, and and and, and I get it. You know, we we uh, humans don't like change. We don't like to do things differently. We don't you know we've always done it this way, so we want to stick in the groove and keep doing what we've been doing. Um, but that's the definition of insanity too, right? Doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Yeah. Now, how do yep. we? How do we look at it to to the point where, you know, the at the top end we get in the division ones we get more variety and and, and, and more balanced competition. But at the same time, where do we, how do we we grow that bottom end too? How do we give participation to those players that want to stay in the game, but you know that that aren't at the division level that there's only that division to play at. Like, you know, so how do we give them uh, a different opportunity? And, you know, even just looking at the numbers of teams, like, you know, you could have six six and eight teams in a division, you know, depending if they all come back this year, you know, that you can get three and four divisions. So yep. you have a, a greater variety that's in there. Um, so... It's exciting. I think I think it's in a, a good position to to see where it can can grow, and especially on the back of you know the fact we've had two two COVID affected seasons um, that have just been you know we you know it's 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 been a, a nightmare, right? Like we we couldn't get off the ground the first time, and everything got pushed back, and then we finally got off the ground last year, and we got going, and then bang, it was was over before we uh, you know before we knew it again. So. You know, there's some challenges that have come with, with that where there's some uncertainty at, at, at the present time. And, uh, 
you know, there's there's parts about, you know, are we going to have a competition? Um, question, the answer to that is yes, there will be competition. We will be playing football. Junior reps are out there playing now. So regardless of, of what anyone thinks, there will be football. We will play. Um, I'm quietly confident in the fact that the way that we've been managing the, the COVID outbreaks, if you watch what the government health regulations are and what you've got to do, you know, if a player has it, well, they stay home, they don't train, and, and but the game carries on now. Like, we're, we're, you can see that in community we're starting to get back to um, some normality where we've just got to exist with it now. So that means to me that, yes, our competitions will go on. I can't see the other, and, and you know, another common thing is, oh, will it stop again? Well, no, I don't think it will. I, I think, you know, with, with the, the way that we've learned to live with COVID, that, you know, Competitions will continue to carry on, so um, we should be able to, to get out and play um, our first full season um, in the past couple of since 2019. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, I mean, you're really touching on something that is important to all community sport, which is that bounce back factor from COVID from the last two years, because community sport, uh, not just rugby league, but all sport, has <coughs> just come to a standstill. Um, so just on that, you, you talked about what your expectations are in terms of the, the competitions going ahead. Are you expecting player registrations to bounce back in 2022? Well, I think they will, 100%. You know, 2021, we were, we were almost back to, uh, we got almost to our 2019 numbers um, that were there. Uh, and bearing in mind in 2020, you know, we had seven clubs, a couple of big clubs at the same time that didn't participate in community sports. So 21 was a, a rebuilding phase for, for a lot of them to be able to sort of try to get their, you know, some members back in and playing and, and grow some confidence within in the players coming back to play. So, <clears throat> so 2021, we were... We were almost back there. We were, were sitting at about 97% of, of where we were, were going to get to for the 2019 numbers. But uh, and in saying that, we still had over a month worth of registrations to go um, where I think we would have actually got back there had we been able to see a full season, um, I guess. And, and, you know, it was a little bit slow again, uh, like it is now, you know, with a little bit of, of uncertainty around it. Um, and especially like... You know, we had the, the rain, like what we've got now, we had that to contend with last year as well. We've got it again this year. So, you know, that's that's made it a slow um, last couple of weeks as well because kids can't get out and train. They, they, go to, they don't go to training, so they're, they're not getting out to register as quick as what you'd like to. Um, but I think once, you know, we get past this um, uh, torrential rain and, and mm-hmm. you know, Biblical proportions that we've got yeah. at the moment, um, and we can get the kids back out there, and they see the, you know, the rugby league starts again next weekend, and they see the teams are out um, playing in the competition. All of a sudden, that really generates a, a spark and, and a desire um, that they go, "Yeah, we're confident. We're getting back. We want to get back and play." And they do. They all want to come back and play, regardless of the sport it is. I think, you know, we've gone through two years of of uh, turmoil that kids want to get out and play. They want to, they want to enjoy it again. They're missing it. Um, I think they need it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mental health. Exactly. Absolutely. Yep. And yep. 
Speaking of getting out and playing, we've had a number of conversations with junior club presidents and secretaries about the growth in female participation in rugby league. Uh, we, we've had a Tasha Gale team that up until this week where I believe it's going to be rained out has been firing. We also have a debut of the NR, Eels NRLW team who got off to a, a ripper of a start with that 13-12 victory over the Knights. What sort of impact do the, the Tasha Gale pathways and that Eels NRLW team have on the girls' game in the district of Parramatta? Oh, look, it's been, uh, it's been an amazing ride. It really has. Uh, being able to finally... Uh, see, like you mentioned, the, the NRLW team last week up in Newcastle. And, and I guess, you know, if we go back to 2015, 2016, somewhere around then when, you know, we we started an under-15 uh, all-girls competition, uh, played nine aside that were there. We had five teams that played in that. That was the first year that we got it off the ground. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, it was a... Um, a little bit rocky and, and rough to get up and going, but we got there, you know, and, and then from there we moved to, you know, 14s and 16s, trying to get 14, 16s up and going after that. And, and then eventually we had a, you know, our first entry into to Tasha Gale, um, the Tasha Gale competition, um, you know, being able to watch that continue to grow and, and, and get stronger and stronger. And then to the girls that you're seeing that are coming through and playing, uh, in that competition now and, and, and again next year, you're watching girls that have, have grown up playing rugby league now, you know, whereas previously they'd play in a combined competition with the boys until 12 and at 13, there was nothing for them. Um, they'd uh, go and play another sport. They'd play soccer or Oz tag or, or something. Um, and then when they got to being um, over 18, they could look at coming back and playing open women's again. So um, whereas now... The girls that you're seeing coming through into that Tasha Gale program, uh, and and there's even a couple of players that are in the NRLW team that played in that first under 15s comp that we had. Um, so you know we're we're looking at saying that's uh, uh, just an amazing pathway now that's there for the girls to continue to play. Um, you know we're we're really excited, and, and from a uh, an Eels perspective, you know we're we're celebrating that with our first home game. Um, at Combank, when um, when the girls get to play there before the uh, round one with the boys, uh, we'll be taking all of our registered girls from um, 10 to 18 years of age, we told the clubs uh, earlier in the week. Uh, we'll be looking to bust them all in and, and you know wear their club colours and come and sit in, in a bay together and watch the first home game of an NRLW team um, and be there for something memorable. You know, that's really, really important part of the game to continue to grow and, and see where it goes from one strength to another. So I'm pretty excited about that. Mate, that, that'll be um, sensational. Will they all be in the same area of the stadium, the, yep. all, those, all those girls? That's, that's going to have a great look. Well, hopefully, and hopefully it's a, like a, a point for some of those girls to go on and when they come NRLW boys look back and say, <clears> you know, <throat> I was there for the first home game for the Parramatta Eels NRLW. And, and I think that's part of what it, what it is too. Like we're looking at it's our girls' league tag teams as well, you know. So for me, like there's they're all a participant, whether whether they play tag or, or, or tackle. To me, you know, it's contact or non-contact. It's the same when they're playing the tag form of the game. It's the same rules. It's just tag. It's not tackle. Uh, you know, and we're going to get some players that'll come out of playing that that they may introduce into the game and play that. Um, <coughs> pardon me. 
that convert over and play tackle and go on and play Tasha Gale and then um, on to NRLW. Uh, to me, you know, however we get them to come into the game and play, uh, first and foremost, they're a participant. Um, they're treated no differently. Um, and it gives them a, a spot to stay in the game and keep playing as well. Mate, I, I was at the uh, Eels uh, NRL and NRLW season launch at Rose Hill the other week, and um, there were juniors that were selected to present the jerseys to the players. I think it was uh, the Hills Bulls for the boys, and um, there was uh, All Saints Toongabby Tigers for the girls from memory. Um, Correct. Those junior players that were selected were were brilliant. I thought with uh, uh, when they when they were speaking to Hannah Hollis uh, up on stage, but the girls in particular were uh, they 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 were what they had to say was probably one of the highlights. I thought of the evening the the young girls from uh, All Saints Toon Gabby and, and just their the passion that they have for playing rugby league was evident, and there they were being able to present jerseys to um, Eels NRLW players or, well, maybe their role models this year? Oh, 100%. And that's the, that's, that's the beauty of our game, right? Like, it's the, the passion that you have. You want to play it. You, you, you love the game. Um, and, and you can't wait to get out there and play, whether it's Saturday or Sunday that you're playing. You just want to get out and play. Um, and I think that's one of the things that... Uh, the club has really embraced and, and continues to go from strength to strength. They um, they continually look at how can we how can we be more involved and get a, a great an even greater understanding of, of participation and, and what are the initiatives that we can do to try to make it even better again. Um, that's the best part about it. And you get to watch these kids play on a, a Saturday or a Sunday and, and how much that they love doing it. <clears throat> And my kids have come through, played it. They love it. And, you know, some of them are still playing, um, and and it's just great to go and go and watch them and, and see the enjoyment that they get out of it. Even for the you know, to one day, hopefully, you know, can you meet your idols and, and see them going running around? And you know, we we look at uh, female participation as a, a vital cog within the organisation and within participation. Um, you know, you, you look at the clubs that are growing in Kellyville, uh, Bush Rangers, they've got a great rugby league program in there for the, the female participation as they're coming through, just like all Saints have. Um, they probably pioneered it within our district for, for a long while. Um, you know, the Bulls are, are now getting some teams that are looking to play. Um, they play tag, very good at it. And they're looking at a 14th team this year playing in the girls. We've got um, one of our traditional Sunday um, Sunday clubs, the, Hill, uh, the Hills, Winston Hills Hawks. Uh, they're, they're looking at having a, a girls tag team as well playing um, and having some, some girls play in that as well. So they're looking to branch out to say what can they do to, to help in participation and, and grow and keep their, their players continuing. So, yeah, it's exciting times. Uh, you've, uh, so we've, we've talked about the Tackle Ready program, the the. Uh, joint initiative with the the Bulldogs, all these different ideas and initiatives that local clubs have going. Is there anything else at all planned for Parramatta Junior Rugby League in 2022 that you can share with us? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think uh, probably the next major major thing that we'll be doing is that uh, on the 2nd of April, 
uh, we're taking all of our registered six and seven year olds down to uh, Combank Stadium uh, for the day before the Eels play. Uh, they'll get to come down. So any registered player will get to come down with um, mum or dad. Uh, we'll, we'll be taking them through. They'll be able to get to see the change rooms where the, the boys um, have all their gear, get a photo in the locker there. Um, they'll also then get to run out through uh, through the tunnel, have the stadium all lit up, and, and mum and dad can take some photos. They'll have a bit of a... Um, uh, have the full eels experience, I should say, um, and really get to see, you know, what their, their heroes would be doing the next day, obviously. And, and as I said, mum and dad can take a photo there. They'll get a club photo uh, together that's down there, and then there'll be some activities, face painting and... Uh, Passable things, all, all these different things that, you know, six-year-olds would love to do and, and have some fun down there um, that we've organised. So that's a, a really cool initiative we've been working on for a while to be able to, to get that off the ground, and I'm really excited to, to be able to see our six and sevens um, get a chance to be able to do that um, and experience what that'll be. And uh, Sixies and myself have been on the ground liaising with some of the local Parramatta clubs, so we know that registrations are now open. So there's plenty of time for parents and players to find a junior club this year. Uh, is that that process is quite simple for for a parent, isn't it? Oh, look, it it, it is really really simple to to be able to do. I mean, you can jump on a you know playrugbyleague.com and, and put in your postcode area and find the clubs that are in there to to what you're doing. Um, I'm, I'll share a, a link with you guys that you can put in the the notes to this as well, where mm-hmm. they could just click on it and it'll take you through to a link that has all of our clubs that's on the uh, so on the Parramatta Reels website. Uh, we've got the link that's in there that, you know, you can find all clubs and the secretary details to reach out to as well if you wanted to ask them specific questions or whatever it is that, that they're looking for. But, you know, we've got a uh, we've got 30-odd active clubs that are, are playing across our district Um whether it be uh, a Saturday or or a Sunday that you're looking for for the six to twelve, we can cater uh, for 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 either in, in regards to that. So there's a really um, novel aspect in the, the Sunday comp for the, the six to twelve year olds. So maybe parents are working and you know they they want to still be involved with um, either their son or daughter playing rugby league and, and they can't do it on a Saturday. So there's an option in there that they could do that on a Sunday as well. Um, which is, uh, which is something unique that we have that, that no other district does as well. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned playing uh, play rugby league because it is a terrific resource for finding the, the local club. But if there is a parent out there that's just after a little bit more information uh, about clubs near them or maybe a special need that they might have with uh, placing their, their child in a club, is there someone at the Eels that they can talk to? Uh, definitely, we'll um, send, send through an email to um, uh, pdjrl um, at paraeels.com.au. There'll be um, we can get back to them in regards to whatever their specific question is, or point them in the right direction, and then copy the club to and say, well, "Here's the best club for you," or "Here's a, a group of clubs that you could reach out to and talk to." And I think that's a nice place to wrap it all up, Matt. It's been a, a wonderfully informative chat about the sort of state of the game for the Parramatta Junior District. So it's always good to be able to touch base with you and, and see what's going on, what's going forwards for the district. And there's some cool issues happening uh, in the upcoming 12 months, which is always great to see. Um, but yeah, thanks for taking the time to join the tip sheet, mate. It has uh, 
we, we know that you guys are always flat out, so it's always, especially this time of year with registrations opening up, so we are always appreciative of you being able to join us and give us that insight. Uh, always happy to talk with any time. Cheers, mate. You have a great day. Thanks, Matt. All right, mate, let's get back into the previews very quickly because we did a review of all the weekend action in the first podcast this week. Um, it's going to be a quick one, actually, because as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, meant to have uh, round four of the junior reps or round five? Of the no, round reps? five. Round five. five. Round five. It was meant to be a home triple header against the Newcastle Knights for the Parramatta Eels. And unfortunately, all junior reps games were announced today as cancelled, which I believe that the terminology there is important because it's not being listed as postponed. So a cancelled round most likely will not be rescheduled, which means bad things for our Harold Matthews and SG Ball, mate, because they needed that extra game of buffer in order to win out and then have other teams drop a game here or there. Um, so I'm not sure if mathematically they can, if they're still in the hunt, it's hard to tell if they keep winning. Uh, but that's definitely something to monitor. Tasha Gow, they're in a much better position, so the, the setback doesn't hurt them anywhere near as much. But yeah, just outside of the talk about finals, it just sucks to see junior football impacted by something else now. If it's not COVID, it's torrential downpour. Yeah, well, you, you mentioned that there was a uh, a couple of postponed matches uh, last week, and that was probably what uh, made things a little bit awkward for yeah, them. Yeah, you're, you're already to juggling have. already juggling games to try and catch up on, and you got a full yeah. round now. Might as well just impact everyone equally by cancelling the round. Yeah, the uh, the only thing that I'll that I'll say is it's got a TBA. On the uh, underneath the cancelled now, whether that's to be advised about uh, what they're going to do with the points, or whether there is any likelihood of it going ahead, I don't know because I think it was about half the matches were played uh, the previous week, and as you said, trying to um, they would need to be played because for the other half of the matches to be played and then those to be cancelled would be unfair. Um, it's still not the greatest result to have everyone's matches cancelled uh, this week, but extending the competition by two more weeks to fit in postponed games and then the complete washout is, uh, it just sounds like it was just too hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll, we'll keep you guys advised as we find out what's happening. If there is anything to that TBA, of course, we'll update you when it comes out. But for now, I suppose the safe thing to assume is that the round is cancelled. Uh, just due to the fact that there's going to be more and more rain across the week as well. Uh, but yeah, so definitely something to monitor, but it does suck just outside of any talk of finals just to miss another round of Junior Reps football after the last two years. So yeah, that, that's a real shame for the Tasha Gale girls and the boys in the Harold Mats and SG Ball, obviously. But yeah, um, we'll, we'll get back into it next week, hopefully. But between now and then, uh, no NRL, no New South Wales Cup, no Jersey Flag. They've all got the week off ahead of their season launches imminently. But the NRLW continues, mate. That train rolls right on into round two. Uh, the Parramatta Eels travelling to Wollongong to take on the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Also a first up winner in their game. They took on the Titans, I want to say. Let me uh, I think I think from memory you're correct. Uh, it was the case of the uh, all three uh, franchise, t- uh, franchise expansion teams plus the Dragons been involved in those two games. If I just quickly go back one round. Uh, yeah, prevailed 20-12 to 12 over the Titans. And then in that game, they had a Tegan Berry double with Madison Bartlett and Quincy Dodd also scoring. So uh, Eels coming to this game, and I was going to pose you a question, 60s. Have you seen the movie Logan, the uh, the X-Men conclusion for Aussie uh, Hugh Jackman? 
Is this going to be a reference to the adamantium skeleton yeah. from <laughs> yeah. your team list Tuesday? Yeah, because I, I am half convinced that Therese Eithen has uh, got something to do with the X-Men universe because they, I don't know how she did not sustain any like structural damage and how she is good to go for this game. But she's got that superhuman healing factor and that adamantium uh, skeleton protecting her, it seems, because she is being named as part of an unchanged lineup for this game, mate. I, I cannot believe that she's... Uh, I mean, what a warrior. Uh, but, yeah, no need to change a winning side, 60s. Uh, but looking through the 1 to 18... or well, 1 to 17 plus the uh, the extended roster because they do name a much larger extended bench in the NRLW. Um, Botil Vedi Welsh at fullback for the Eels. Uh, Tyna Navidi and Rakia Horn on the wings. Tiani Penatani and Giuseppe Daniels in the centres. Part of that really good backline against the uh, Newcastle Knights. In the halves, uh, one of our breakout stars in that game, Serena Naitoka-Toka, and then Maddie Studden, who iced the game with that uh, NRLW first field goal, part of that unchanged backline. In the front row, Kennedy Charrington reprising her role. Prop, be interesting to see if she stays there or goes to the edge again, 60s, but we'll talk about that shortly. And she'll partner Tamaya Kelly-Sines on either side of Nina Maynard. In the back row, Jade Efferton, Ellie Johnston, and Captain Samoma Taufa, my player of the match last week, on the bench. Shirley Malangi, Abby Church, Therese Eiton, and Philomena Hanese. Extended roster features Christine Pauly, Mariva Swan, Tess Staines, Jamie Ann Wright, Emily Curtin, Katrina Fippen, and Fatafehi Hanese. Uh, sister of Philomena, I believe, right, 60s? That's correct, yep. Mm-hmm. And then for the Dragons, uh, they go 1-2-7 as uh, Emmy Tonegato, Tegan Berry, Jamie Chapman, Paige McGregor, Madison Bartlett, Talia Fulmiano, who I believe is a relation of Tyrell, uh, Jay, Rachel Pearson then in the forward pack you have Elsie Albert Keely Davis Captain Kezi Apps back rowers uh, Tarly Holmes Shaley Bent Holly Wheeler then their, rost- their roster on the bench features Quincy Dodd uh, Cody House Tegan Dimmick Janelle Williams and then their extended bench Renee Target or Renee Target it's got the double T's I'm not sure Renee sorry uh, Keel Brown Shelley Long Aliti Namosi Sagano Alexandra Sulusi, Matilda Power and Chantel Tugaga so 26 players, both teams, uh, but obviously only 17 playing. Um, yeah, once again, some names jump out there in the Dragons lineup, 60s, uh, but this is a, a game both teams off that one row start. We spoke about it, how important it is to bank these early wins in the NRLW uh, because you've got five rounds, so getting out to a 2 no start puts you a long way towards uh, you know a top finish on the ladder, assuming that you can just close out a couple of games later on. Uh, but the for the Eels, they, they played such a good brand of football against Newcastle. When I wrote about it for my team list Tuesday, I thought, you know, consolidation is really the only thing they've got to do. Uh, they just got to, you know, ice the opportunities that they created in that first half where they could have blown out Newcastle to the tune of four or so tries. Um, and the rest of it was just really positive. Yeah, and I think I said it still, it had that feel of a trial game. Yep. The 100%. Where, where the... The cohesion wasn't quite there. The the players are still um, finding their way in terms of combinations, and that's probably the what you have to expect in a competition that's five rounds long before the finals. Is that really the team will be starting to find their groove by about the fourth or fifth round? So that we, I mean, the positive out of that is that we can expect teams to be close to playing um, their best football when they hit the finals rounds. So, um, yeah, look, I'm I'm just expecting a little bit more cohesion, maybe uh, icing those scoring opportunities 
Um, but look, St George aren't to be taken lightly. Because Absolutely not. Yeah. When you've got, I mean, you you start talking about uh, name players, and you know you don't get too many bigger names than their captain Kezi Apps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I note that she's playing uh, in the middle, but she was, you know, she's she's such a uh, a force in women's rugby league that uh, she could be playing on the middle, she could be playing on the edge. She's going to be uh, a weapon for the Dragons no matter where. And then the player that really impressed me last weekend was uh, Emma Tonegato at fullback. Um, I, I really liked her contributions to the game. So. Um, yeah, there's there's plenty to be concerned about in the in that Dragons outfit, and as even though they they've lost players, players that have now linked with the Eels, in fact, um, I still think there's a, a little bit of an advantage for those teams who are the established teams, um, and uh, it's yeah, this is a big one for the Eels to get to knock over one of the. Uh, previously established NRLW teams. Yeah, it got, obviously we kicked off the season with an expansion game against a, a sister expansion team in the Knights, and they played. I mean, I'm not going to lie, the Knights really exceeded my expectations in that game. They played really good football, but the Dragons are an entrenched, you know, historic team in this competition, and I think that would be a significant hurdle for this team to overcome is uh, getting past them, and in, in doing so, only look. I mean, obviously, after. <clears throat> two rounds uh, hypothetically played, uh, you're going to have uh, only a certain amount of winners. But looking this, at this game here, you win over the Dragons, and it's uh, potentially only you and the Broncos, assuming that they take care of business in their game, that'll be on top of the ladder with the two wins. And then yeah. there, there will be potentially... Uh, well, you'd be leapfrogging the Dragons, so there's there's only one team with a one-game buffer behind you, and everyone else you're going to have uh, potentially one to two games buffers on. So that is just huge. So you got to and take. I was going to say, and it and it sets up um, an exciting third round encounter with the Titans, uh, made more exciting by the fact that it is the um, curtain raiser to the opening NRL match of mm-hmm. the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's. I mean, we just spoke with Matt Brady about that day and the the organised effort that he's going to get there to bust out all the girls for this game, and that that's going to be a historic moment for the club. First home game for the NRLW team part of a, a monster day of action uh, in general. So really cool to see that and, and what's going to come about that down the years, uh, down the road, as those girls become women and, and NRLW players in their own right. I mean, uh, this isn't related to our game against the Dragons. This is a complaint I have, 60s. Um, doing the uh, preview on Team West Tuesday for the NRLW, I had a quick look at the draw. And yeah, one I don't know how no one's picked up on this, or maybe they haven't, I, I didn't notice it, but one peculiarity of the NRLW draw that no one I've seen speak about uh, has has occurred. There are five rounds in RLW, right? Like yeah, that, that's basic basic stuff there. So that means that uh, uh, the Eels get one home triple header where they take on uh, the. Sorry, one sec. They take on the uh, Gold Coast Titans. Sorry, uh, next week. Uh, outside of that, they have triple headers. We start at Newcastle. We go to Wollongong. Then we go to back to McDonald Jones. And then we go up to Brisbane. Uh, well, it's, well, one of the games is in Sydney, but we go up to Brisbane as part of a doubleheader there. Out of those four away rounds, we play the non-home team as part of the double or triple header one time. Yeah. We, we play the home team in the triple header at Newcastle. 
Then we play the home team at Wollongong in the, in the Dragons. We go back to Newcastle, and because we can't play them twice in the regular season, we have to take on the Roosters. So that's the one uh, away game that isn't against the home team. And then we play the reigning Super Premiers, triple uh, three-peating Broncos uh, in round five up in Brisbane. I, I just don't know how you can schedule a draw like that, where yeah. one, one team gets hosed so badly. Where Well, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty rough to have one home game. Like just one. Mm. Um, and I mean, to be two, and obviously Newcastle, the biggest beneficiaries there, they get two home games, uh, playing out of McDonald Jones. But uh, obviously, every t- every team sort of hamstrung by the fact you only get one home game. Really, I think I want to say yes. Let me just quickly check through. It looks like it, um, but uh, the fact that we have to play the home team in three of the four away fixtures is crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's. Well, we, we have to trust the powers that be as well that um, a draw isn't a per, isn't perfect. The fact that the circumstances mean that every team gets one uh, true home game, um, you know, that's that's probably the, how they have to stage it this yeah, year. Yeah, and with, I, I understand, yeah. There, there are logistical issues to conquer here and because and the, the NRW is, is growing – there's no perfect draw, really, uh, unlike the NRL, which has had literally decades of its current format, you know, backing and and shaping and honing how it can best be optimised, in you know, in order to not affect many teams of five day turnarounds or you know bad away game stretches and whatnot. And even then, you still get quirks in the draw that happen in the NRLW, where uh, NRL, sorry, NRL, where you know some teams will get more five day turnarounds just because of the nature of the draw. But yeah, just just some food for thought there, and it, I suppose it's a bit of um. Uh, chip on the shoulder stuff for our girls because if they end up going deep into the finals, they would have done it on the hardest path. Yeah, that's look. It's um, I think when you're talking about um, uh, what what a team can achieve in a season, you are talking about um, what makes it most, more memorable are overcoming hurdles, overcoming obstacles, mm-hmm. hardships, what have you. So, yes, if this is their if, – if the Eels or any of the sides are ultimately su- uh, successful this season, there's going to be something about it where they're going to be able to say, we overcame this in winning the title. And, um, look, I think all of them have done well anyway because the, with the original schedule for this competition being 2021, already – the girls who, as has been spoken about a number of times, are uh, part-time players. Mm-hmm. They're holding down jobs and families and those, or, or, you know, everything else in life. But, um, you know, for them to um, prepare for a 2021 season that didn't go ahead and didn't go ahead basically at the last moment and then into a shortened pre-season in, at the, in January this year into the... Uh, no, no trials because of the fact that it is a short season. Mm-hmm. Five games, uh, one home game, uh, into finals. Uh, look, I think any team that that wins the title this year can point to the season and say we had to overcome this or yeah, overcome that. Exactly. So, yeah. Now uh, on to predictions, mate. And unfortunately, I was well off the mark last week. I back to the uh, wrong player for first try score. Although she nearly got there. She nearly got there. I went for Tamaya Kelly signs and she nearly got there. Just uh, the bunker had other plans. Uh, but I got the margin entirely wrong, mate. 
But uh, let's try and rectify that. At least we've got the at least we've got the win, though. I mean, that's the big thing when it comes to the predictions. You know, you don't really care if you get it wrong as long as you get the W. But let's uh, have a crack at it for this Sunday. Out in the gong, 3.40 p.m. once again, the same time slot, taking on the team that is ahead of them on four and against and second on the ladder, but equal on wins. Who's our first try scorer? What's the margin of victory? And I suppose, uh, who's your player to watch? Okay, so uh, my first try scorer is Rakia Horn. She yeah, should have justice, yeah. Yeah, she should have got the first try last week. Uh, Tiana Penatani, hopefully she's fixed her up with uh, a beer or two or whatever Rakia likes to drink. Um, and if she's if she doesn't enjoy a drink, then, uh, you know, maybe she's hooked her up with um, a, a meal or two uh, during the week just mm-hmm. as a... Um, as her little apology for running the the block <laughs> with with that extreme block, but uh, yeah, so she's my tip for first try scorer. In terms of the man of the match, the players I shouldn't say man of the match. I'm so used to saying it's man just, of the match. It's built, we'll built, built of the, the system. Match. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll say player of the match. So, um, you know, I feel like it's pretty hard to go past uh, Bo Vitti Welsh for player of the match. And I have to stick, I have to stick with Bo Vitti Welsh. And in terms of margin, um, a six point margin. So let's say uh, Eels 22, Dragons 16. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it it is so easy to be enamored with the, the way that Bo plays. She just oozes superstar, doesn't she? Just absolute class all over the field. Uh, every time she carries the ball, you, you're thinking, you know, getting onto the edge of your seat, is she going to make a line break? Um, and she obviously had a huge impact in that game against Newcastle. For my first try scorer, um, I'm going to go for another potential game breaker who really impressed me against Newcastle, and that's uh, Serena Naitoka Toka. I think that her ability to beat the first defender uh, is going to be a real handful. And if she gets the good ball in the red zone, she might be able to, to shrug that first tackle or beat it with a little bit of pace and uh, get through to the try line. In terms of the margin, you went 22-16. Um, I'm going to go 16-10 to 10 for the Parramatta Oh, you're staying with the six, same six-point margin Yeah, six-point margin. Um, but I'm going to go just a, obviously a few points less. And then my player to watch, uh, I mean, you got the captain who was truly, truly outstanding, Samima Taufa. I mean, I feel like more should have been said about her in the media for what she did in the field in that game. Uh, absolutely inspirational. Obviously, Bo is incredible too. Um, I'm going to go... I mean, I could always just double down and go with my girl, Serena, who, you know, will get first try scorer and have a big game. But uh, I'm going to go Kennedy Charrington. I feel like uh, the ball didn't really come her way due with that uh, interesting uh, transitional role she played starting in the middle and shifting out to the edge. Defended her absolute backside off, though and was an absolute pest off the ball. I don't know if people caught that, but she was constantly harassing uh, playmakers with the passing and kicking games and chasing after him, causing a lot of disruption, which is always a great thing. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to tip Kennedy to really rip in this week and, and be a big difference maker on the field. Can you think I, – I'd, I'd like to think there's a stat there for that, like a stat for pest, like the, the player who's the, – who, In terms of, of um, advanced metrics, there's got to be like a, a playmaker hurries – or something like that stat where you don't necessarily uh, have a, a recorded stat in terms of a tackle or anything like that, but you're you're pressuring a playmaker and then put like you know potentially force into a suboptimal uh, option 
But there's got to be an advanced metric that clubs have that measures that because that, that is an effort play that coaches love to see. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, there, when it comes to time uh, to possession stats now, they have like a, a support run stat, yeah. don't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and because let's face it, if if you're if you're running the uh, the the lines and you're you're basically taking the dummy run, or if players are making a break and you're pushing up in support, there's effort that you are making out there on the field in in your support play and likewise in defense if you're the if you're out there and you are putting pressure on uh the the playmakers the kickers then you're not getting any you're not you're not getting a stat for it and i'm sure the coaches note the work that you're doing that that's the sort of stuff that falls into the margins doesn't it that while the the official accounting book doesn't measure it absolutely can carry the difference on the balance yeah and and see, I I read that as well with, um, and, and just to try to pull out a, an NRL example, we already know that Dylan Brown is an elite defender when it comes to halves. He's an elite defender all round, but especially when it comes to halves. But his his presence and his movement in defence will shut down attacking plays just simply by how he moves and how he positions himself. So mm-hmm. you, you know, the, he's he's creating a problem for the offensive team just by his presence and his movement without actually making a tackle. And I can't, um, I can't think of a young player that's had more try-saving cover tackles from the other side of the field uh, than Dylan, but that doesn't show up in the stat sheets. It's just another tackle in, in, yeah, in terms right. of that. So that's they're right. the, the numbers behind the numbers that you sort of you talk about and – for Kennedy, there's a few things you could you could talk about in terms of her ability to spoil a ruck uh, without giving away a penalty, her ability to pressure playmakers, uh, and just you know the the aggression she brings. They're not necessarily quantifiable metrics on the stat sheet, or at least the stat sheets that we fancy. The clubs obviously have access to more advanced metrics, but yeah, I think Kennedy would be at the the top of a lot of those uh, unseen charts. Do you think Kennedy? brings a bit of legal niggle yes yeah 100% she's the sort of player that you absolutely uh, abhor playing against but you love to have on your team uh, because her ability to uh, get under the skin and play for that aggression like that that dual side a little bit of niggle a little bit of fire um, it's kind of like the the first person into the breach she brings you with her uh, as part of the charge and you, you sort of pick yourself up and play harder because of it and, and that probably makes her and uh, Samai Matalfa, quite a powerful duo to have out there yep. in the middle. And that, that's why they would have been really headhunted as part of that initial five uh, centralised players that the Eels recruited because they are just huge pillars to build this team around uh, for their on-field efforts, for their off-field leadership, uh, you know, and the ability to, in a close game, just, like I said, uh, pick up the, the shoulder of a, another player left the right of him and say, come with me, we're going to do this. And that's what they both are capable oh, of. They play the game so incredibly tough. And when you meet these ladies in person, um, you know, they're, they're certainly not uh, big-bodied players in, in any way. Um, they, just, they just play at a level that um, I think defies their size, that the physicality of their game. It's... Um, it's quite extraordinary. So yeah, well, um, man, there's a lot of sportingisms 
and you know sort of catchphrase that depict that but you know it's not about the size of the dog it's about the size of the fight in the dog right and yeah and in this case that is 100% what it is and and in the NRL too we've seen a resurgence of what would be typically you know uh, designated undersized locks but because they play hard and they play for aggression you know Nathan Brown Victor Radley all those guys you know in an era where it feels like every other middle forward is getting closer and closer to 200 centimeters and 130 kilos and are as mobile as a, a freaking you know Porsche 911 uh, the, the the those little lock forwards and thus, in the NRLW, all these, all these women who are seemingly undersized but play with fire and play with aggression and, and know how to play to the line. They can toe that line between, you know, controlled aggression and, and a little bit of niggle but without going too far over and then that's when you get <laughs> the, the lunatics. That's where you end up with, uh, 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 what's the one out of Canterbury now, uh, the prop forward, Heverington? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's when you get a Heverington who, can't, who doesn't know how to toe the line. But yeah, uh, Charrington and, and Taufer are absolutely, uh, regardless of you know gender and whatnot, they're the sort of player, when you distill it down to the type of player they are, that when you play with them, they make you a better player. Because like I said, you, they will just constantly be up and they will be pushing and they will be fighting for every meter and every tackle. And that makes you want to get into the trenches with them shoulder to shoulder and, and help you know whatever you, do whatever you can to, burden, to take a bit of that burden of the load off them because you look at the numbers that they're putting through, and like you, you sort of you have to because they're just they're they're absolute animals. One of the things that I really am looking forward to, and this is probably why I uh, nominated Bo Vitti Welsh as my player of the match, is that battle of the fullbacks. Um, I, I mentioned how um, the uh, St George fullback uh, Tonegata was um, my pick for um, a standout player in their in their match last week and I just I can just see this coming down to um, each of those being spurred on by the presence of the mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. and I, I think it's going to be um, yeah I think I think that's going to be one of the highlights of the of the match is going to be that clash of the fullbacks. And, I think and, and of course, the and the other thing too that I wanted to to um, add to that because I I hadn't um, uh, and and my apologies if I've if I pronounced Emma's name incorrectly, mm-hmm. um, Tonegato, Tonegato. Did I pronounce. Oh, I feel Tonegato. like I feel like phonetically Tonegato. that's how it reads, but that's not always how it's actually pronounced. So we'll have to wait until the yeah. broadcast, obviously. But like you said, uh, like sincere apologies if we get it wrong. We'll make sure. Moving forwards, we do get it right as we familiarise ourselves with all the different players from different teams. Yeah, and uh, and I and I uh, and I did want to mention the impact that uh, Mina Hanisi had um, coming off the bench yeah. last week. Yeah. She's um, uh, it's it's good to see, uh, as I mentioned in the podcast at the start of the week, former students uh, from the school I taught at for nearly a quarter of a century uh, coming through the system at the Eels. And I thought she had a real impact in the in the game. And I think as we're learning more about the players, I think with every week we'll see the, the qualities about the players that they bring to the Eels team to make them uh, a, a unit. Um, you know that that it's that um, 
some of the parts that make up that whole. And we'll learn more about the sum of the parts over the coming weeks as we start to see what each player offers to uh, the team. And, you know, there's some games where, I mean, you even mentioned that um, even with Kennedy Cherrington, that there were elements of the game last week that just didn't, that where the game just didn't come uh, ideally to her, mm-hmm. but she had her impact in different ways. You know, we'll we'll probably see that happening with with other players throughout this shortened yeah, with, season, where down, yeah. there there'll be a game where we where something about their play will be highlighted. And as you mentioned, when the ball didn't necessarily come Kennedy's way, but she made a presence felt in defence and in harassment of of the playmakers. So it might be this week that we see Kennedy uh, making an impact with the ball and and leading the run metres as she was doing, I think, for vast stages of the uh, All-Stars clash uh, the previous week. So, um, yeah, looking forward to how that unfolds. And, And in a weekend where we've got so much sport that's washed out and no rugby league, uh, in terms of the NRL, uh, that's still being a week away, and no junior reps happening, no trials happening. The NRLW is certainly the um, the bright light yeah. on the horizon. Shining for us this incandescently weekend. right now, exactly. And it's yeah. uh, available to watch on all major networks, Nine, Fox, and KO. K obviously being an internet-only platform. Uh, but... Yeah, if you can't get out to the gong, and I don't blame you given the weather, um, which, you know, it's always nice to get out there and be able to support in person, but uh, the downpour makes it kind of difficult at the moment. But, yeah, make sure you catch them on your platform of choice. And uh, in order to jump even more into that discussion, make sure to visit TCT where we'll have a NRLW preview up before the weekend. And then obviously all the post-game stuff as well, uh, wrapping up who starred, where it was won, where it hopefully wasn't lost. Uh, but all the stuff coming out of that uh, game against the Dragons – 60s, man. I think this is a nice place to wrap it up unless you've got anything you want to get off your chest before we um, uh, get out of here. Why they say confession, good for the soul, bad for the reputation. Well, mate, um, I think we might just give a quick mention as as a lead up to the first round. Um, a little bit of exciting news with the Cumberland Throw. Last year, we made appearances at Parramatta Leagues Club as part of the pre-match festivities in the club. We were appearing up in uh, Pablo's before the games with special guests and talking lots of footy in the lead-up to the game. This year, we're going to be part of the post-match lineup again with special guests and obviously plenty of football to talk because we'll be talking about what's, what's happened in the game, all of our opinions. It'll be basically our Instant, instant Reaction, reaction podcast, podcast live from the but League's Club. live... Yeah, live at Parramatta Leagues Club, live online as it's happening. So you're going to get, we're probably going to have, you know, there might be a stuff up or two that happens if emotions get the better of us, <laughs> depending on, you know, whether it's a, a, an amazing win that we get a bit carried away with or a controversial loss where we're trying to bite our tongues about some of the calls. Or that, a dirty play that might have happened. Yeah, so... Look, we're, we're really looking forward to that. Um, that's going to be uh, same venue, although it's uh, it's been renamed Jack's Bar and Grill in Parramatta Leagues Club. Who's, so who's Jack if again? you're... I've never heard of the bloke. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry? I said, who's, who's Jack again? Never heard of the bloke. What, 
What, what? Oh, oh, well, just happens to be two of the <laughs> two very famous jacks who who uh, who got the league's club um, started were, mm-hmm. were very famous in the in the formation yep. of the Parramatta Reels. Exactly. So um, uh, Jack uh, Jack Boyle and uh, Jack Argent. Yep. So we've got um, yeah. So we've got a, a that ve- new same venue, different name. But if you're someone that enjoys listening to our our views on things in the podcast, or maybe you disagree and and enjoy thinking, you know, what are these two clowns on about? Um, pop in, have a listen, have a drink, enjoy the post match festivities at the club. Uh, we look forward to seeing you there. If you've got something that you want to, you know, share with us, um, pop up, say good day. Um, and uh, we might just have a little bit of um, audience participation, a few topics. But we're looking forward to being part of that this year. And uh, it all kicks off round one after the double header against the Titans. Beautiful, mate. All right, let's wrap it all up. As always, thanks for stopping by, giving us a listen. Uh, we'll see you guys next time with uh, the wrap up from round two of the NRLW. And then looking forward to a monster round uh, with all the action for the NRLW, NRL, sorry, NRLW and the uh, lower grades uh, in the following week. As always, stay safe, especially in these times of all the rain. Um, and if you need any help, be sure to reach out to those around you because, yeah, uh, don't get caught in these floods, people. It, it just, oh, man, I don't even know what to say. Just the, the pictures are just so confronting from out of Lismore and, and surround. So, yeah, stay safe. <laughs>